You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So uh, a couple different things that I uh, wanted to address today. Kind of a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We do have a football game, and for once I actually remembered it. Unfortunately, like most Thursday night football games, who cares? <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, um, we do play the Bengals next week, so there, there is a little bit of rel- uh, relevance to it. Um, I obviously don't want to do like a breakdown of the Bengals because that's way too early. But it, it is worth watching at least from that vantage point. If you were, were not planning on watching or didn't really care, you have uh, a reason to be interested. So, um, look, the Bengals right now are 2-1. Are and one. Uh, They have the 17th-ranked offense, 6th-ranked defense. I mean, that's not terrible. Granted, they've played the Vikings, Bears, and Steelers, which potentially are three horrible teams. I guess I don't really know yet because it's early in the season. But uh, the Vikings have not been impressive. The Bears are an absolute joke, and they barely... By the way, they barely beat the Vikings by three. They barely beat the Bears by three. The only team they whooped up on are the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is kind of hilarious, and we're playing those two teams back-to-back. But if nothing else, I mean, we'd like to see some of these things calm down a little bit. The defense, you know, if, if Jacksonville could find a way to score points, which is unlikely, that would be nice against this defense or, um, you know, not seeing Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and those guys just tear things up, you know, because it is second year in the system for their quarterback and it is Zach Taylor. So it's second year in this sort of Sean McVay, Shanahan, LaFleur kind of a system. So it's not impossible that despite several flaws uh, with this team that things are maybe kind of picking up. I lied. It's actually the third year for uh, Zach Taylor, but I think it's second year for Burrow, though, right? It's got to be. I don't know. I don't know things. Doesn't matter. Don't care. Point is, we're going to want to see the Cincinnati Bengals play like garbage, and they probably won't because they're playing the Jaguars, but it'd still be interesting to watch and see what happens. Other than that, there are currently interviews going on right now, so I'm, I'm just looking at updates from uh, the reporters, but I'm not, I'm not listening to them, and again, they're happening right now. I have to do this a little bit early because um, it's Wednesday, which means... It's go to work, come home, do the podcast, leave, come home late, get to bed late, lose sleep, go back to work. Great times. Patreon.com forward slash back underscore daddy. Um, apparently, Kevin King is in the concussion protocol. So um, Sunday, I guess he said he wasn't feeling very well. They examined him Monday, and that's where they put him in the protocol. So that's a little scary. Makes me worried a little bit about Devontae that <laughs> it's like he hasn't been playing. He hasn't been feeling well. I'm not saying these things are all necessarily related. Maybe this happened somewhat recently, but I don't think it happened Sunday, and I'm guessing it didn't happen Saturday. I don't think there's any live tackling going on. So at what point did he get hit in the head, and how many days was it before the Packers determined that he had a concussion? Just thinking out loud, I don't know. Um, apparently commenting on Elton Jenkins and MVS ankle and hamstring injury, respectively. It says it's going to take a week to determine whether they can play, which leads me to believe not very likely. Doesn't mean they won't, but it sounds like what he's telling us is we're not going to get an answer, and good news would be we get an answer, right? If things are close, there's a chance we're going to find out tomorrow or the next day. He's basically telling us we're not going to find out till like Sunday. And if you know it's not going to be clear before Sunday-ish, then that leads me to believe there's a very unlikely it's very unlikely that they're going to play, which sucks. But maybe they will. They might. Never know. Uh, this is all Tom Silverstein, by the way, if I didn't uh, if I didn't mention that. 
He says, Coach Matt LaFleur said inside linebacker Devondre Campbell is someone that, going back to their days together in Atlanta, has impressed him with his consistency and leadership through example. He said his contribution here has been very important. The uh, first official injury report is up, by the way. Um, Chris Barnes did not participate with a concussion injury. Uh, Elton Jenkins did not participate. He has an ankle injury. Aaron Jones has an ankle injury and was limited. Uh, Kevin King, again, did not participate with a concussion. Josh Myers has a finger injury but was a full participant. Vernon Scott was limited with a hamstring injury, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling did not participate with a hamstring injury. As far as the Saints, uh, limited participation. Let's see, who do we actually know and care? Well, it doesn't. I'll just read it. Uh, Rashad Coward, offensive lineman, was limited. Carlos Davis, defensive tackle, did not participate. Alex Highsmith, the linebacker, was limited. Deontay Johnson, wide receiver, limited. Chikwuma Okorafor, offensive lineman, did not participate. Ben Roethlisberger, pectoral injury, did not participate. That I find, that I find like relevant news. <laughs> would have been great to know. Juju Smith-Schuster with a rib injury did not participate. TJ Watt, groin injury, limited participation. It does sound like TJ is going to play. We'll see how it all pans out, plays out, etc., etc. But that's um, definitely a lot of interesting information for both teams that we're going to need to keep a very close eye on. Uh, Devontae went in front of the podium. I'm not seeing a whole lot of interesting information. They asked him about the contract situation. He didn't provide any interesting information. Um... He's still at the podium because stuff's still rolling in. I'll update you if anything interesting comes up as it comes up. There is one interesting little thing that popped up via Wes Hodkowitz. He said a little bit of league statistical housekeeping, but Kenny Clark has now been credited for a sack on Jimmy Garoppolo's fourth quarter fumble that was eventually recovered by Devondre Campbell. So there you go. Interesting indeed. Um, I think I'm actually going to start with uh, Patreon today just so I make sure that I get it in and then we'll kind of move on to some of these other things. Um, first of all, while we're here, uh, thank you very much to Mr. Jonas Penton for upping your pledge, as well as John Lambing. I don't know if I mentioned that yesterday or not. I got to start making a list, but thanking people twice, I guess, isn't that big of a deal. But thank you guys very much for upping your pledge. Really do appreciate that. Uh, we just got one more question from Justin. Justin, a supporter since February 2020. Do you think we'll see Kylan Hill used in that Swerve and Irvin role on plays such as sweeps, either as diversions or ball carrier in a three-back formation? We'd love to see that as another thing defenses would have to prepare for. A three-back formation. Um, I'm going to say probably no to almost all of that. As far as three-back formations, let me see if they did that even once last year. Um, They definitely have not this year. They did do it... Let's see, it looks like six times they had three back formations. They did 3-1 and 3-2, so um, that would be three running backs, one tight end, one wide receiver. They also did three running backs, two wide receiver, uh, two tight ends, no wide receivers. They've done those formations before. Um, so far this year, though, even, even now, and I don't know if they've gotten week three in, but at least through weeks one and two, let me see if I can select the weeks. I can't really do it. I don't want to do that right now. But the bottom line is they still have only used three formations through three weeks, which is probably the least of any team in the NFL. I'm trying to look and see. They've used five. They've used six. Um, They've used more. Yeah, so the Packers have used less formations than any other team by kind of a lot. Uh, Arizona, for example, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different formations. And, you know, six, eight, nine different formations is not uncommon for a lot of these different teams. So kind of staggering how little the Packers have done. 62% in 11 personnel, which is like dead center in the middle of league average. Um, I would guess they're about 16th without counting it out. Technically, the league average is 58. so, So they're not average, but they're median, I guess is what it would be. With that said, however, they are the second highest in 12 personnel. Um, so that you got your one running back, your two tight ends, and your two wide receivers. Atlanta is the only team that does it more. On average, the NFL is running that 22% of the time. The Packers are at 34% of the time, um, tied with Miami, or at least kind of. Uh, if you run out the decimal, the Packers are in second, but it's, it's 34%. Atlanta's 35%. And then while the Packers do use 21 personnel, as their third package, and you think it'd be more than most teams because, you know, uh, they're only running three formations. They're actually below league average. League average is 7%. It's as high as 25% with the San Francisco 49ers. The Packers are only running it 3% of the time. 
So um, it's it's pretty much 11 and 12, and that's pretty much all they're doing. I mean, it's literally been six plays um, in 21 personnel. It's been 107 in 11 personnel, 59 in 12 personnel. So, you know, will they bust out a, a, a three-back thing at some point? Probably. I mean, they did it a handful of times last year. Um, very weird, strange kind of pulling something out of your, the rabbit out of the hat last minute kind of a thing, maybe. As far as Swerve and Irvin kind of a role, um, the only reason I doubt it is because we have so many guys right now. You know, we, we always we always do this as fans. We get these guys that we really like, and all year we sit there and go, oh, I can't wait for them to play. When are they going to play? I can't wait for them to play. When are they going to play? I want them to play. Even Swerve and Irvin is a great example. We wanted him on the field all the time, all the time. Where is he? When's he going to play? When's he going to play? When's he going to play? They never play. Um, I mean, he did a couple times, but it wasn't all that often. Same with, you know, A.J. Dillon. Man, we really like Dillon. When's Dillon going to play? He's so good. He's better than Jamal. Why isn't he? Why, why, why can't he overtake Jamal? What's going on? Why isn't he going to play? Why isn't he going to play? Why want to play? Why want to play? Why would he play? He's not going to play. So Kylan had a very good preseason. They like Kylan, but he's the number three guy. And again, once you get into the regular season, I think the complication is they have one week to prepare for the Steelers, and they're using every spare second they have to get their starters ready to play the Steelers. They're dedicating very little time getting Kylan Hill up to speed to be an NFL starter and dedicating hours and hours to create packages for Kylan Hill. They're just, they're not focused on that. That's why you hear things like with uh, Amari Rodgers and everyone's like, why isn't he playing? And they talked to Matt LaFleur after the game and he's like, yeah, I guess I didn't really notice he wasn't playing. I'm just trying to focus on winning the football game with the guys that we have not trying to think, how do we get the new guy incorporated? You know, when we have already a bunch of guys, right? I mean, Josh Myers is different because he's the starter. So we have to get him ready because he's the starter. Kylan Hill is the number three. We don't have to use him. So unless there's a specific purpose that we need, or if we just want to spell him, or if we, you know, if, the, if our guys are getting tired, then they go out. And that's what he's going to, that, that's essentially what it is. It's not a special package. It's just Aaron's tired. AJ's a little tired. Let's give Kylan a few reps here especially if you're winning kind of big, it's like, all right, just let him go out there. Let's see what he can do and uh, kind of give our guys a break and et cetera, et cetera. Even in terms of snap counts, he, he played 14 snaps in week one, five in week two, and zero in week three. I'm not including special teams in that. So he didn't take a single snap as a running back once in week three. So he's trending in the wrong direction if he's going to be getting more opportunities. In addition to that, in terms of that specific role, in terms of motions and all that kind of stuff, um, They've already got so many guys. It's just like running back, but there's more of them. They've already got MVS doing a little bit. We've got Alan Lazard that does a little bit. Randall Cobb, we know, can do a bunch of that stuff. And Amari is the guy. He's the guy. And they started last week using him in motion. And like I said, they're going to start gearing up to making that a thing. And when they start practicing it, they're going to practice with Amari, not so much Kylan. I'm not saying never. You know, he may use it a little bit because they want to see if they got something special with him or that. But again, it's just a time management thing. You know, it's very reminiscent of me coming up with all these great ideas of how I can give back to Patreon or all these YouTube videos and everything else I'm going to do. But at the end of the day, my bread and butter is this podcast. And my time goes to the podcast my job, and my family obligations, and anything else I have left over, I would love to get into to YouTube videos. And I got a draft video that's half finished that just sat there. I wanted to publish Monday. I'm not going to get a chance to even touch it again until this coming weekend. And by that point, it's going to be too late because there's new information and new details. I'm going to have to start all over again. So it's not about, you know, just again, like with me and YouTube or whatever else I've got planned. It's not that I don't want it. I want it desperately. I just don't have time without sacrificing other things, like when I did the YouTube slash podcast thing simultaneously, hoping I could make it work, and just got a ton of negative feedback, and even I didn't really care for it as much. It's the same thing with, with guys like Kylan. They would love to have, you know, two weeks to prepare for the Steelers so that they can run special packages with Kylan Hill and get Amari up to speed and all these different things, but the fact of the matter is we have all the wide receivers we need, we have all the running backs we need, and they're not going to dedicate hours of their time when their hours are limited to special packages for Kylan Hill, because you have to also run and practice those. So instead of practicing our bread and butter, or if we've got this new thing, we want to run it with Aaron Jones. All right, if we've got this new concept, we're going to drill it and drill it and drill it and drill it. And Aaron Jones needs to be the guy, maybe a little bit of AJ Dillon. And I, you know, Kylan, I mean, if he's going to take zero snaps in the game, aside from just spelling you in the fourth quarter, if you're up with a big lead, do you really need him to drill this, or is, is it just a simple concept of run through the A-gap? 
you don't really need to drill that. I mean, he's just, you know, just we're, we're calling this and that's what you do. That's my thought on it. And that's really why I think a lot of these guys, we want desperately to get out there. And in our mind, it's just as easy as fantasy football, where we just click a button and then click the other button and they're swapped out. And it's just that easy. Or Madden, where we just swap them out and it's just done. But um, there's a lot of work and a lot of practice with specific people. And, and when you build a game plan, players are in mind. And so if you're building a game plan that includes mostly Aaron Jones with a little bit of A.J. Dillon and they have specific roles, and you build out what that role is going to be and the plays we're going to run and the way in which I want to run them, and we're going to look at some of the things we did wrong last week, we're going to try to rectify those, we're going to use those specific guys in practice. It's a, it's a zero-sum game at some point. I mean, time is just, there's only a limited amount of it. And you've got to allocate certain time to, to each player and who gets what reps. And obviously, you want to maximize your time with the guys that are going to be getting all the carry. And you want to maximize your time with, you know, I mean, if we're running jet sweeps, who's the guy doing it? You know, if, if it's going to be Lazard and MVS, and we also really need to get Amari up to speed because that's what, he's the guy we want doing that. You know, do we want to also cut their time? Let's say we're going to run that 10 times. Let's just say they're going to run it 10 times. You know you're going to do Lazard. You know you're going to do MVS. You might do Amari depending on he, how he does. And, um, and, and that's really it. How, do you, how would you divvy up the 10? How many would go toward, let's give it to Kylan and just see what he can do? I'm not saying you can't do it, but I'm just saying that's, that's the way I'm thinking about it in terms of there, there's a limited amount. How would you divvy it up? And it might not be 10. It might be four, you know? Because we got a lot of other stuff to work on aside from just jet sweeps. So, anyways, that's my thought on that. No, I don't think he's um, going to at least very rapidly be be brought into things um, unless they see a specific need to carve out a role for him outside of just being a complimentary back. I don't see anything other than that. It's the same with again, same with AJ Dillon. They didn't see a need to try to bring him up to speed and make him an elite running back because they had two guys that were going to be carrying the load. And the only time he really needed to play was when everybody else was hurt. And now you got to be the number one. And so they spent that whole week getting him up to speed and then he played. And then after that, it was back to our other guys. And now that he's the number two, now they start dedicating more time to him. So anyways, that was a, that was a long answer to that question, but I think it's a fair one. I think I'm going to take a break right here. I kind of like doing the early breaks so we can just kind of hammer all this stuff. But um, it's a lot of just opinions that are floating around that I want to kind of hit on and just kind of set the record straight on a few things, and then uh, then we'll call it a day. But uh, again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. Otherwise, telling people about the podcast is a fantastic way to do so. I know several people, this Steelers game is a real big one. It's a big meetup day for a lot of Packers Twitter and all this stuff. I'm just saying there's a lot of Packer fans there. Granted, maybe I should be up there talking about my podcast, but I'm not. So if you're up there, you're hanging out, you're tailgating, there's 20 people around. You can bring it up. I don't know. Maybe just play it in the background, invite some people over. Everybody would be like, wow, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Thank you for not playing music at a party and playing a podcast. That's great. Greatest party I've ever been to. I'm telling you, that's how it'll go. <laughs> I don't know. If I was good at it, I'd be doing it, all right? That's why you got to help me. Anyways, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. 
Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. How are you? Glad you could make it. Um, yes, it, you, you may have guessed it. We are going to be talking about uh, Justin Fields. Listen, but here's the thing. It's not my fault. <laughs> I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm going to try to be polite and respectful, and highlight the fact that we still don't know if he's going to be good or bad, and I don't have anything against Justin Fields as a person, just like I never had anything against uh, Trubisky as a person. Now that he's gone, I kind of like the guy. I just need to dispel a myth that started somewhere, I have no idea where, and is running rampant. I'm actually right now, as we speak, trying to find the origination of this. I can't find it. I don't know. Oh, I, I think I found it. Um, zero. So here, here's the claim. 0.78 seconds was Justin Fields' average time to throw. Um, okay. Somehow, somebody took a really dumb stat. I shouldn't say the stat is dumb, but they, they took a completely different stat, either completely misunderstood it or just butchered its meaning probably on purpose. The stat seemingly, and this comes via next-gen stats, Miles Garrett's pass rush get-off is 0.78 seconds. That is to say his, his speed in terms of getting off the ball. I don't know exactly how that's measured, um, whether that's from the time the ball is snapped to the time he's engaged with the offensive lineman. I'm not entirely sure what that is. The, the point is, though, this is a physical impossibility. I literally don't know if it's possible for the ball to be snapped in 0.78 seconds. Do you remember watching these videos? And I tried to find some just to get some context of how long stuff takes. I, I couldn't find any, which was kind of shocking. But they show videos, and usually it's like showing off how great Aaron Rodgers is and how quick his release is. Either that or, you know, time to throw, whatever. But but they run the clocks. If you get the ball out in two seconds, that's basically instant. From the time the ball is snapped, getting the ball, getting into your drop, cocking your arm and releasing the ball, I, I just come on guys you gotta understand the, the the stat comes from miles garrett's get off which is to say and and by the way they're bragging about how unbelievably fast it is because Jadavian Clowney right next to him 0.96 is basically one second but the point is what they're saying is that's how long it takes for him just to get off the ball it, it, it's it's absurd it's not real it's completely fake but the narrative is and this is what this is what everybody wants to say it's not justin field's fault because he didn't have any time it's not true. We, we can see how much time he had, and it wasn't that bad. According to NextGen Stats Time to Throw metrics, um, Justin Fields' average time to throw was 2.72 seconds. That's kind of right in the middle, and, and the unfortunate thing for right in the middle is that it dispels two myths at once. Number one is that he didn't have any time. He did have time. 2.7 seconds on average is a decent amount of time. Aaron Rodgers, 2.63 the other thing is, though, why was Aaron Rodgers' number so low? Is it because he was under pressure, or is it because that was the game plan? It was the game plan. Likewise, uh, Justin Fields played in a game plan with the intention of getting the ball out quickly. And so th the narrative just isn't true. Now, when you're under constant duress, your play starts to break down. But the, the question is, why was he under so much duress? And the idea that, again, Andy Dalton would have had the exact same situation if he was playing is nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. And I saw somebody else say, yeah, but 
His receivers had no separation. We don't know that. We can look at average yards of separation, but the problem with that, and I haven't even looked at it yet to dispel it because it doesn't matter. If, if you look at next-gen stats, average yards of separation, they're not looking at every player on every route. They're looking at at the time of when you targeted them. Justin Fields made a lot of dumb decisions. Almost every throw I saw was throwing to the guy right in front of his face who had a guy draped all over him. He was just standing there, and the defender swatted the ball away like, what the heck are you doing, stupid? That doesn't say that nobody else was open. Here's the other thing, though. Completion percentage. Justin Fields had the lowest completion percentage of anybody, which shouldn't surprise anyone, 40%. Here's the problem, though. NextGen Stats has another metric. It's called expected completion percentage. It says, using a passer's completion probability on every play, determine what a passer's completion percentage is expected to be. Now, I'm thinking that this could be partially to blame on wide receivers and drops and things. I don't know. It doesn't really go into depth on how they calculate it, but they do look at it and say, what do we think you should have completed passes at? Now, Fields was still low, 60.5%. But if you look at that differential, uh, again, a high number, and Teddy Bridgewater was 11.1%. That is to say, he was higher than expected. He's throwing balls that should have never been completed, and he threw it in there, right? Super tight coverage, whatever. But if your guys are not super tight covered, then the expected completion is not super high, right? Or it is super high if they're not covered, whatever. Point is, the second lowest expected completion differential was Zach Wilson, negative 8.6. He completed 55.2% of his passes, 63.8% were expected to be completed. Justin Fields was negative 20.5. 60.5% of his passes should have been completed. He completed 40% of them. Only five quarterbacks have a negative five, or excuse me, four quarterbacks have a negative five uh, differential or worse. Negative 7.6 for Tua, negative 8.4 for Trevor, negative 8.6 for Zach, and negative uh, 20.5 for Justin Fields. And, and by the way, that's, that's for the season. It's not just week three. Week three was even worse. He's, he's, uh, he was at 27.8%. But for the entire season, this is what he's done. By the way, correction, 2.63 was his time to throw. Whatever. Same diffs. So again, he got the ball out of his hand the 10th fastest. So, uh, you know, again, it, it's not about I know he's going to be terrible. But people got to stop making stupid excuses. Uh, PFF, by the way, backs this all up. They actually had his time to throw in week three at 2.84 seconds. By the way, they also break things down into less than 2.5 seconds and more than 2.5 seconds. Interestingly enough, because we talk about, well, he never had any time to throw because he was under constant duress. All right, let's look at his stats when he had 2.5 seconds or more. He was one for seven for nine yards, seven passing attempts when he had more than 2.5 seconds to throw. Because he wasn't under duress every single time. He had more than 2.5 seconds. He was 1 for 7 for 9 yards, a 1.3 average yards per attempt, whatever. So I I don't know. Again, if you want to say we don't know yet, I'm with you. If you want to say he might still be good, I'm with you. He's been bad. And yes, the situation he's in doesn't help. Something else I've also said, not just for the Bears, but for everybody. You know, you bring a quarterback into an environment like this, you can ruin them. But the fact of the matter is, um, you know, Bears fans can kick and scream all they want. And by the way, so dumb are the Bears in general. What What is the plan here? I don't understand having, putting your head coach and GM on basically a one-year probationary period and then letting them pick your future quarterback. If you're going to give them one more year, fine. Make it work without the quarterback. Show me what you can do. Build up this team. Go get out a journeyman. Show me what you can do with Dalton. You show some improvement. We make some moves. You guys can get a longer-term you know, stay here, and then we move on. What sense does it make for a guy that you're about to fire, letting him decide who your quarterback of the future is, and then the coach that you're about to fire is the guy that's going to coach this guy and, and make him a really good prospect for the future and hopefully not ruin him forever. What in the world does, how does that make any sense? And I've been saying it for a while. They should have done what the Lions did, embrace their teardown, fire pace, fire naggy, move in a new direction. If the new guy wants to, to draft fields, 
fine. If not, then don't. But you got a new direction, a new GM with a, with a new mind on how to build this team, a new head coach with a new vision on how to build this team. And so he has all that in mind when he decides what quarterback makes the most sense. Who's to say the next guy wants fields? And what are you going to do? You're going to draft a new quarterback? You're going to roll with this guy? It's a stupid, 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 stupid decision. And now you're stuck. I mean, there's almost no way based on how things are going that you can justify keeping Pace and Nagy around. I don't know how that happens. So now what do you do? Are you stuck with Fields now? You got to go find a coach that wants Fields? That's your contingent on you got to keep this guy? You, the GM is not allowed to draft a new quarterback and the head coach has to work with Justin Fields and make him better? Or do you just throw away a quarterback and just say that whole pick was a waste? I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but what is the long-term vision? It, so, it was always stupid and I've said that a thousand times and it's coming to roost and it's about time people stop making stupid excuses for the Bears and say, you know what? This whole thing was stupid. Burn it down and start over. We should have done that this year, which is why I'm more optimistic about the Lions than I am the Bears because I don't know if the Lions will actually be able to build anything, but at least they're doing the right things. Tear it all down, build it up the right way. Don't worry about a quarterback right now because we're trash and we're just going to ruin the guy anyways. Start building offensive line, defensive line, build a culture, get a system, get a quarterback, get all these things in place, a quarterback, a, a, a coach, and then we're going to bring a quarterback in. doesn't have to be the last thing we do, but we got to at least have some stable foundation here. Some, uh, you know, an offensive line that knows how to play together. They've been here for a little bit of a while. Some wide receivers that understand stuff. They get the, the lingo. They know what they're doing. They, somebody that can help coach this guy. I mean, Goff. You know, if Goff's going to be around, let Goff be his mentor. You don't do that year one when nobody knows what's going on. And they understand that. And they're doing things in a wise manner. <sighs> it's just stupid. But yeah, it's not .7 anything. It's Nobody is under uh, two seconds. So saying it's under one second is ridiculous. Nobody's under two. Likewise, um, I guess we should talk a little bit about the TJ Watt and Kevin King thing. Um, it's it's just it's silly. <laughs> I mean, just from a just from a strictly rational standpoint, it doesn't make sense. We'll, we'll get into my larger thought on this, but what what is the rationale for? I don't understand because. If you look throughout the NFL, there's a lot of really good players. Is our is our theory that every single one of these guys was gone early in the first round? Every single top-tier player was gone early in the first round, and we didn't have a chance, but T.J. Watt is the one guy we did have a chance for? Because, as I pointed out to somebody else, um, if you look at George Kittle, he was drafted in that same year. He went in the fifth round. We didn't draft him in the first, the second, the third, the fourth, or the fifth. We had opportunities five different times to draft George Kittle, and we didn't. He would have been worth a first-round pick, but they didn't value him as such. Nobody did. That's why he went in the fifth. He would have been a first-round prospect if anybody had any idea how good he was. Zero teams thought he was a first-round, second-round, third-round, or fourth-round prospect. Zero. One team, the 49ers, took him in the fifth round. There are some teams, possibly the Packers, that probably thought he was an undrafted free agent type that would not have drafted him if they had the opportunity, right? So why don't we talk about that? Why does nobody care about that? I don't understand. And again, the only thing I can think, and it, it, it kind of makes sense because I was in this camp as well. I was a big fan of TJ Watt. At first, I thought it was stupid because it's just Packer fans who want a Badger or whatever. You're like, okay, it's kind of interesting, I guess. And we got a Badger. Um, later in that draft, and nobody super cared. So I don't think that's the rationale necessarily. Um, but I, I ended up watching him, and I remember being blown away. There was one play in particular where I swear he was laying on his side. He got he his bend at his, and he's a big dude. He his bend was so intense. He was basically laying down when he went around the corner, and, and there was a knock against him about that he didn't have bend or whatever. And I saw that, and I'm like, this guy, he was doing like a wall walk, but there's no wall. He whipped around that corner and didn't slow down and got the quarterback. And I said, this guy is a freak. And from that moment, I said, I want TJ Watt. I think he's going to be really good. I didn't think he'd be this good, but I was all in. I think the other thing is JJ Watt is his brother. So it's like, you're getting like little JJ Watt. I even I do think some people were saying he's the more talented Watt. I remember that being a conversation. There's another Watt brother, and he's even more crazy or more athletic, whatever, than his brother is. And it's not super far off. But again, just, just the rationale of it. I mean... Every team misses every year. I mean, if you just look at quarterbacks, every team misses every year. You know, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert seems like he is a uh, 
top tier, great quarterback, he went to six. He wasn't even the first guy taken. I know that's not the greatest example, but again, I'm just kind of going off the top of my head here. Tua um, ended up going number five, one pick before him, and he's, I mean, he's a half a step away from being out of the league. Same thing with Josh Allen. A lot of people loved Josh Allen. Other people looked at it and said, it's just a big clunky dude with a big strong arm. That was kind of my perspective. Not that I really watched that class very much. Oh, that's not really true. I did like Baker. But Josh Allen was just a big dude with a strong arm. I was like, who cares? Well, people care now. On the flip side, Sam Darnold, although somewhat reviving his career, didn't really pan out all that well. Lots of misses there. And, and, you know, again, you go through the league and there's going to be second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round prospects that are just incredible players. And yeah, sometimes it's a different team that picks them and it's not us. And, and in every instance, every team, unless you just didn't have picks, like if you went in the second round or before your second round pick and you didn't have a first round pick, I guess you didn't have a chance. But otherwise, everybody has a chance at these guys and they don't do it. I mean, Elton Jenkins, nobody took him in the first round. Nobody. You think if we redrafted, he'd go in the first round? Of course he would. Even the Packers, by the way, didn't take him in the first round. You think if TJ Watt would have fallen to them in the second round, they wouldn't have taken him? Maybe they would have. And if Elton Jenkins gotten taken before us and he's great, how many people would be screaming about, you know, Elton Jenkins, yeah, we had a chance to take him. I, 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 again, I just don't get the rationale of being so angry about it. Every team has elite players and we didn't draft those players. I don't know what, what, what is the expectation. We get all of them and nobody else gets any. If you have a chance to draft them, you have to or you suck at your job. That doesn't make any sense. That's just not how it works. There's not perfect evaluation. Again, everybody that passed on TJ before we traded t- passed on him. But I don't know any other fan base that's mad about it. For example, how about the, uh, the Cleveland Browns? By the way, the Cleveland Browns are in the same division. So they have to see TJ Watt twice a year. Do you realize... Not only do we trade away the pick one spot before Pittsburgh, but the Cleveland Browns traded up into our spot. They traded up, they leapfrogged the Steelers, and they could have taken T.J. Watt right from under their nose, but they didn't. You know who they took? David Njoku. David Njoku was garbage for them. He ended up leaving the team. They got rid of him because he was no good. And now they're stuck. I mean, well, they got Miles Garrett, but we're not allowed to talk about that because we got Zedarius now, but we can't talk about what we have now. The point is we should have taken him instead of Miles Garrett. How about Dallas? You know who they took two spots beforehand? They took a pass rusher by the name of Taco Charlton, or Carlton. I don't even know how you say his name because nobody cares. He's not good at football. How about the Falcons, like four spots before, took Takarist McKinley. That dude is bad. He's bad at football. He's a pass rusher. He's terrible. Miami at pick two, or at pick, pick 22, took Charles Harris. I don't know anything about Charles Harris. I know he's not TJ Watt, though. Washington Redskins at pick 17 took Jonathan Allen. Defensive end, definitely not T.J. Watt. Philadelphia Eagles at pick 14 took Derek Barnett. Why at 14 are you taking Derek Barnett when you could take T.J. Watt? That doesn't make any sense. Derek Barnett's not even that good. How about the Cardinals at 13 taking Hassan Reddick? Heck, even the San Francisco 49ers took Solomon Thomas at pick 3. T.J. Watt's better. And that's just pass rushers. The Bears traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky. If they had taken T.J. Watt in that spot, everybody would have laughed hysterically, but they would have been better off. Jaguars took Leonard Fournette at four instead of T.J. Watt. Why aren't they stupid? We took Kevin King, but we took him in the second round. You think taking Kevin King in the second round is a bigger black eye than than the Bears taking Trubisky at two or or the Jaguars taking Fournette at four? Or how about the Bengals taking John Ross at nine? How about the Lions taking Jared Davis at 21, the linebacker? Why did it, why, but, but you know what? Not one of these teams is saying we could have had TJ Watt. Only the Packers do that. Why? Because we could have. Yeah, so what? Dalvin Cook went at pick 41. We took Kevin King instead of Dalvin Cook. Why does nobody get mad about that? How about we traded back so we couldn't have got TJ Watt, but we could have taken Dalvin Cook instead of Kevin King. I know we don't need him, but we could have. Dalvin Tomlinson went pick 55 in the second round. He's a very good defensive tackle out of Alabama. Went pick 55 to the Giants. Could have had him. I got to skip several because most of these players are bad. Because that's how football works. Most teams pick guys and they're not good, despite the fact that everybody wants perfection. And then, of course, that same draft in the second round, the Packers took Josh Jones one spot before Juju and everybody freaks out. Partially because people don't realize Juju's not as good as he was, but you got two black eyes by the Steelers. You got TJ Watt 
and Juju Smith-Schuster, and we picked before them twice. We traded away and got Kevin King, and then we ended up with Josh Jones. It's not great, but the point is we're only comparing to the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're not comparing to the other teams. We're not comparing to the Jaguars taking Cam Robinson, who's a horrific tackle. We're not comparing it to the Seahawks taking Malik McDowell that never played a snap for them. We're not comparing it to the Buffalo Bills taking Zay Jones. We're not comparing it to the Chargers taking Forrest Lamp, who is horrific. We're not comparing it to the Eagles and Sidney Jones, or the Bears and Adam Shaheen, or the Colts and Quincy Wilson, or the Ravens and Tyus Bowser. We're not doing that. Why? Because we, we refuse to look at it from a rational standpoint. We refuse to look at it from a standpoint of, you know, having proper perspective of what expect, proper expectations should be. We just have this little nugget of information, and it, it makes us feel like the Packers are an embarrassment. It's embarrassing that we had T.J. Watt, like the, enti- like the entire NFL is watching us and laughing, like you bunch of idiots. They're not laughing, because they didn't draft them either. And by the way, if, if the Steelers would have known he was going to be this good, they would have traded up for him. They didn't know. They didn't know he would be this good. Nobody, nobody would have allowed T.J. Watt to get picked at 30 if they knew he was going to be this good. Nobody did. But it's also true that he probably wouldn't have made it through the second round by just about any team. Pretty much everybody, with the exception of some teams that maybe didn't need him, they wouldn't have taken him. Although, again, it's a pass rusher. I mean, you can use two. Even Cleveland at some point would have been like, "Eh, maybe, kind of like we did with Josh Jackson or Josh Jones. Josh Jackson. So everybody's evaluation was just barely slightly off, including the Packers, who, again, possibly may have traded back and, and picked T.J. Watt. Because it could be a situation where, uh, with a lot of these tradebacks, especially a small one, you know somebody that you like is going to make it. T.J. Watt may have been on that list. T.J., Kevin King, uh, Ryan Ramzik, the tackle that the Saints took, maybe was on that list. Maybe Reuben Foster, who got taken. And a couple other guys that were probably in that range. But Kevin King ended up being the top guy left. Maybe the only guy left on that tier. And so they just took that guy. And the additional compensation. You know what? It didn't work. It didn't work. It was bad evaluation. It was a bad decision, which is what every team does all the time, most of the time. Why does it bother you so much? Again, I, I just have to assume it's, it's a lack of perspective, that teams shouldn't miss evaluations that much. You shouldn't be so bad as to miss on TJ Watt and take Kevin King. But here's the thing. Again, everybody did. Every single team, including the Steelers, did not evaluate TJ Watt properly. It's possible if, if things were switched that the Steelers, if, if the Steelers were picking first and then the Packers, it could have operated in an exactly reverse situation. The Steelers are looking at it saying, we got a pile of guys, let's trade back, and the Packers had TJ at the top. But it's a similar tier, so they're like, well, you know, we got a bunch of guys in, in line here, but let's just take the top guy and it's TJ. Maybe TJ was on top. We don't know. But it's not the biggest blunder in, in NFL history. It doesn't matter. The other thing that I wanted to point out is what I said on Twitter. I'll read it to you. One team picked King over Watt and has since built an elite NFL roster. Another grabbed Watt, but is otherwise a bit of a dumpster fire right now due largely to very poor drafting. Nothing is, is, I keep, every time I read this, I'm like, why did I say nothing? Noting a mistake is fair, and it is. Acting like the Steelers should be envied and the Packers mocked is silly. At the end of the day, all of this is a series of hits and misses with more misses than hits, but you have to get a, a certain number of hits to be able to maintain a strong roster. And if you get really big hits, Elton Jenkins, really big hits, Darnell Savage, really big hits, Jair Alexander, that's what can take you to an elite level. But as long as you get hits, you can maintain a, a consistent team that can play. Unfortunately, the Steelers have not done that. I had one person try to argue with me, and he did so incorrectly because he still thinks this is like 2017 where Juju is an elite wide receiver and Minka Fitzpatrick is a top safety and all that stuff and it's not the case one other interesting observation I was looking at their draft history because again it's important for perspective Um, we tend to think people do better than than what they do not only is this pretty bad what they've done um, since TJ Watts starting in say 2018 not only is it bad This is like the ideal Packers, and most fan bases, but ideal Packers drafts. These four years since TJ Watt, Packers fans would be so happy. They'd be miserable because the team would suck, but they would have been so, they would have given A pluses for the drafts, and I'm sure the Steelers did get A pluses. First of all, they drafted a wide receiver in the first or second round three out of those four years. They took James Washington in the second round in 2018. They took, uh, it's actually, it was their second pick, but third round. Deontay Johnson, wide receiver in 2019. And then first, or (laughs) 
first pick, but second round, Chase Claypool in uh, 2020. So in those three years, they're, um, they never went two picks without taking a wide receiver. They don't have a top-end wide receiver right now. This is, what, this is what everybody wanted the Packers to do. The Steelers have done it, and they're not succeeding. Linebacker is another one. Devin Bush, they took in the first round in 2019. They followed that up with their second pick in the third round, Alex Highsmith, in 2020. In the fourth round, they took Buddy Johnson in 2021. So in three of their four years, they took linebackers in the first four rounds, twice in the first three rounds, including once with their first overall pick in the first round at pick 10. And they followed that up with their second pick being a linebacker, and then the next year, a fourth-round pick being a linebacker, and their linebackers suck. They also have gone very heavy at running backs. They took Benny Snell in the fourth round. Uh, They took Anthony McFarlane the next year in the fourth round. And then they followed that up this year, first-round pick Najee Harris, because those two guys are just not getting the job done. And guess what? Najee Harris has not been very good. They invested once in a quarterback to replace their current quarterback. It was Mason Rudolph. That was a failure. They've invested several times in offensive linemen trying to do what the Packers have done and have been not successful. Chikwuma Okorafor in 2018, third-round pick, is not a good football player. Derwin Gray was a seventh-round pick, probably was never going to pan out, but that was their only pick in 2019. After that, 2020, Kevin Dotson, the guard in the fourth round, he's not been very good. And then uh, this past year, they drafted Kendrick Green and Dan Moore. Their entire offensive line is terrible. So not only have they not taken very many swings, when they have taken swings, none of them are early round swings. And the, and the mid-round swings that they did take have not panned out. So they've done a bad job of evaluating mid-round talent. The corners also are terrible. What have they done over the four years to invest in corner? In 2018, they drafted zero corners. In 2020, they drafted zero corners. In 2021, they drafted zero corners. The only corner they drafted in the last four years was Justin Lane in the third round. So the corners are decimated because they haven't tried. The linebackers, they've tried extensively and have failed repeatedly. Offensive line, they've half-heartedly tried, and that has not panned out. And their dominant offensive line, which, by the way, again, this is why a lot of Packer fans would love drafting like the Steelers draft, because they had a good offensive line, so why draft offensive linemen? We don't need that. Well, now they need it, and they don't have it. How about safety? Well, 2021, they didn't draft a safety. In 2020, they drafted a sixth-round safety. In 2019, they didn't draft a single safety. It was in 2018, they drafted Terrell Edmonds' number one overall. Bottom line, they took two safeties. One of them was an early-round guy that you actually expect something from, and he's done absolutely nothing. So they had to go out and get Minka Fitzpatrick because they haven't invested in any except for one guy who they took in the first round who has not panned out. So, again, this team has done a terrible job of drafting since 2017. 2017, by the way, TJ Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cam Sutton, James Conner, Josh Dobbs, uh, Brian Allen, blah, blah, blah. This is the kind of draft that can build a team. You you hit it out of the park like this, and suddenly you start finding yourself having success. Unfortunately, this is right around the time the quarterback collapsed, and you have not drafted hardly any good football players. In fact, if I look through this entire list, I don't know that I see any really good football players. There are some decent wide receivers. Terrell Edmonds is not good. James Washington is so-so. Mason Rudolph is bad. Okorafor is bad. I don't even know who the last three are. Devin Bush, the linebacker, not good. Deontay Johnson, meh. Justin Lane, not good. Benny Snell, not good. Zach Gentry, not good. Sutton Smith, I don't, I don't know. Isaiah Bugs, I think I said, was doing a good job. Six-round defensive tackle, but he, he doesn't play very much. He's a rotational guy that's kind of seen a little bit of success. Chase Claypool, first pick in 2020, mediocre. Alex Highsmith, a linebacker, not good. Anthony McFarlane, not good. Kevin Dotson, not good. Antoine Brooks, not good. Carlos Davis, I don't know. So far this year, Najee Harris, not good. Pat Fryermuth seems promising through three weeks. Kendrick Green and Dan Moore, the offensive linemen that they desperately need because they've neglected this position, this, this entire offensive line for so long. So far, not very promising. But yet we, we, we still have a lot of people that refuse to acknowledge that the Packers do a good job. And by the way, this is probably below average, but somewhere between this trash and what the Packers have done is, is the norm. Let me tell you what has happened um, with our team. Jair Alexander, MVS, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, Elton Jenkins, Kingsley Kiki, which we'll see, Jordan Love, we'll see, A.J. Dillon, John Runyon, 
maybe Josiah DeGuara, Eric Stokes, Josh Myers, and, and the rest of these guys we don't really know, but just, just the guys I mentioned. This is how you keep a team going. But the problem is so many people want to look at it from the opposite perspective because they expect perfection. They look at it and say, okay, where's Josh Jackson? Bust. Oren Burks? Bust. Jamon? Bust. Cole Madison? Bust. JK? Bust. Uh, Equinemius? Bust. Looney? Bust. Hunter? Bust. Donerson? Bust. Uh, Jace? Bust. Kadar Holman, bust. Dexter, bust. Ty- you know what I mean? That's what a lot of people look at. But the problem is, you can do that with every team in the NFL. Every single team. And at the end of the day, you're just making yourself miserable. You're, ma- you're looking at a, a matchup between a premier talent in the, in the Green Bay Packers going up against a, a really a tragic story of a Pittsburgh Steelers team that has been kind of you know, very similar. I've always thought the Steelers and the Packers are very similar. You know, they had these Mike McCarthy and Tomlin were both these like tough nose, old school kind of guys. Um, similar programs in terms of you got the the talented quarterback and and just just a lot of of what they did seems similar to me. Especially that just the success. They're always in it. They're always competitive. They're always talented. They're always one of the top teams. The Packers have thanks to Brian Gutekunst salvaged this team, which was about to just completely implode. He fixed it. Got us a good coach, good couple players, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is, we're still going strong, and we have Super Bowl aspirations, and the Steelers, whether they acknowledge it or not, they just don't. They really don't right now. And and the fact that you're fixating on T.J. Watt is is it's just it's it's just irrational. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. What what is at it? What is at the core of that? What is the core message in this that makes sense in a broader in a broader picture? There isn't one. You got to let it go and enjoy what it is. Enjoy the fact that you're rooting for the team that's better than the other team. Despite the fact that the Steelers got TJ Watt, the Packers have had a much better, much more prolonged level of success in evaluating talent and bringing in both free agents as well as draft pick and are just by far the better team right now. But anyways, I got to get out of here. I didn't realize what time it was. I got to hurry up. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.